Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Through the Tech Vine. So be quiet, pay attention, and get inspired. There is one truth that is not told enough. Technology is not magic, but it can be magical. Technology is human. It is part of who we are, our evolution, our future. Will it be a dystopian or utopian one? Well, that is up to us and nobody else. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. everyone, welcome to TechVine. Who's there? <laughs> We've got AI Sean again, it's, although it's Mini-Me, I guess. Is that, is that Minim or Mini-Me? Or Minimize. Mini-Me. Mini-Me. Eminem? Eminem. I was going to say the same thing. I'm like, no, it's wrong, but he's going to rap. Okay. All right. Sean is rapping. Well, welcome everyone. Uh, we are here hiding in Tech Vine, and uh, we are ready to have some fun today. Um, we're back from the metaverse. How 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 do you guys feel being back from the metaverse? I dropped my wallet. Oh. Oh, my my eyes are still adjusting. <laughs> Was your wallet full of? Uh, Cryptocurrency? It was, yeah. Well, that's not real, so don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm not sad at all. Not <laughs> it's not real until you have it, and then you really lose it. <laughs> it's going to get real altogether. Problem is, I turn so, the power off, so I can't get to the lost and found. <laughs> so, Marco, you 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 got the the headset and everything. Are you going to keep it? Have you been using it? What's going on? Um, I haven't got to explore much, much more. I, I did have a okay. couple of nice experiences. Uh, first of all, the good news is I feel like I'm getting used to it, so I'm not getting too sick, uh, motion sick. I feel like my brain is getting used to it, which is can be a dangerous thing for me because <laughs> I could get a little addicted to it. Uh, <laughs> I am thinking I'm going to keep it. And then I was reading um, a couple of days ago that, uh, of course, ha Apple is going to come up with a new one in 2022, I believe. Ooh. So um, I think it's a, it's a thing. I better be prepared. So It's not a fad. It's work. I, I say, you know what? I, this is like this is a job. <laughs> I need to know what's going on here. Was there a price point on the Apple solution yet? No. Is it going to be competitive with Oculus? Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put my um, my future reader hat, and I'm gonna say it's gonna be way more expensive <laughs> than than the one <laughs> that we have now, knowing Apple. But it's going to be so cool. That's probably going to be the Apple sticker that comes inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's going to be a mix, actually, if they do that, between it, it's both augmented reality and virtual reality. So you kind of have 
both worlds uh, at the same time, or you can choose which one you want to explore. So be interesting to see. Nice. Yep. 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 Are you, are you guys thinking to give it a try at all or are you just going to not? That's, that's what I was asking because I was, I was tempted. I saw something about <sighs> refurbed Oculi are going at, for like 199 at, at Walmart, I think. So I was wondering what the, um, what the Apple price point was going to be, if it was going to be competitive with the Oculus or, or not. Uh, I'm assuming it will be a little bit more expensive, but uh, I wouldn't count on that to really come out anytime soon. And they say 2022, but maybe at the end of it. So I think they're playing that teasing game, but yeah, we'll see. So uh, I'd rather be prepared and knowing what's going on already when that happened. And at that point, I really know because I mean, the, the one that I got, the Oculus 2, it was $299 brand new. So mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I think it's not a bad price point. Two two ninety eight more than I want to spend. <sighs> Sean is going to be the one talking about the metaverse. I'm going to force him to talk about the metaverse, and I'm, I'm he's gonna just going to imagine what it looks laugh. like. I'm going to watch and laugh. He's grumpy because he lost his wallet there. So. <laughs> I'll look for it next time I get in there. I'll I'll look for it. <laughs> Perfect. All right, yeah, that's good. One of those Velcro surfer watches or uh, wallets, you know what it is. Mm. Okay, what what game when you were you playing some game when you lost? Like were you like skateboarding, snowboarding? What were you doing? I was uh, ice skating. Oh, mm. are you sure you didn't really actually real lost life. in real life? Polypropylene, poly I don't know what it was, some kind of plastic. I was on. Was it one of those big spins and jumps when the wallet just kind of like was, jumped out? Yeah, it, was, okay, uh, it was Olympic and an Olympic worthy move. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. The wallet went flying. It was so good that the people looking outside the ring, they, they just pull out the, the pallet and the, and the vote and they give you a, a judging yeah. 10, 9. Exactly. It was a, it was a 10 on the, uh, the, the garage sale finale. <laughs> It was so incredible that the metaverse paused. Yeah, yeah definitely had a bump for sure. <laughs> it stumbled a little bit. <laughs> there was a glitch. Uh, All right, and here we are yeah, talking about the metaverse. Recorded somewhere. You just have to find it. <laughs> you do. You can find my wallet. <laughs> well, right, exactly. Sean, I was thinking when you said last time that this is a we're officially talking about the metaverse, but how many times we talk about the metaverse without <laughs> declaring the intention? And here we are again talking about the metaverse. Sorry. I think you kind of like it, Marco. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I love everything about it from a sociological study and perspective and the psychology of it and the utopian dystopian sci-fi i just i gotta i gotta know more about it so yeah i mean all right do that on your own time would you yeah <laughs> i'm gonna stop although i tell you that my my, my topic today it's is it more metaverse no it, it's, <laughs> it's it's a it's a real metaverse i'm just gonna leave it like that you, you guys are yin and yang when it comes to the metaverse it's metaverse without the goggles in reality. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's gonna be fun. 
All right. You guys want to get just get going or do you want to share something or would you have such a good uh, topic to discuss that you want to just dive into? I just I just thought of like if we had cows in there, it would be the moodiverse. The moodiverse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there is some farming game in there that or virtual farming reality where you can buy yeah. land and rice rice uh, cows and everything. So yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I'm I'm a very moving uh, experience, I'm sure. Oh, somebody's uh, just asking us uh, if it's just my screen, but can't see anyone here. No, Simon, sorry, we we it's an audio cast, so yeah, we yeah we're mixing the technology that the internet offer us and using it to do radio. <laughs> kind of, like, <laughs> like we're using zero point five percent of the capabilities of the of the media. <laughs> we're that boring. <laughs> because why not? Because we can, exactly. And because we can, Diana, what are we going to talk about today? What did you bring? Okay, so in addition to the fact that I'm bummed that our farmer neighbors have gotten rid of their cows and we don't know where they are, so my own like local moodiverse is... They are in the metaverse. Yeah, maybe they, they, or maybe they just, they lift it up like, the, you know, when the cows go up into the spaceships, they just oh, got yeah. taken away. Um <clears throat> so, abduction. Yeah, cow abduction. Um, <laughs> today, well, I have two kind of pieces. So the first one is just like a real brief thing, which is where I found this, the, the tech thing I wanted to talk about. But it's a site called The Conversation, and I had never heard of it. It just came up when I was searching for interesting things, and I followed a link. And, and it's their tagline is academic rigor and journalistic flair. It's not gated. There's no subscription required. And what I really like about this site is that I think they are really going for academic rigor with journalistic flair because they have journalists who write the articles, but the contributors are listed as, as it's all experts. So the, the piece I was reading, there were four different doctors that were there. They were incorporated into it. So it's not just a bunch of like weird of, you know, sometimes you read articles and it's just like, it's like a listicle of quotes and it doesn't make the journalist actually composed what they said into a very coherent article, but it was essentially written by these experts. So it was, um, so it's a kind of interesting site. If anybody wants to check it out, I, I just learned about it. Um, so I'm sharing that. But the reason I ended up there is that I was curious how we find COVID variants because it's December 2nd in 2021. Most of us have heard about good old B11529 or Omicron. And I was just thinking like, hey, you know, it's not like they, it's, they wear little tags that say, hello, my name is new awful variant of COVID. Some scientist somewhere has to figure out that this is COVID. They have to do testing. So what, what's that technology and what does it look like? Um, and so this article did a really kind of nice explanation of that. And it turns out that finding a new variant takes a whole lot of work. It's not as simple as it's announcing itself that it's different or that it's a variant. Um, and one of the reasons that South Africa may have ID'd it first, it could be that it was there first, because that's always a possibility. Um, <clears throat> it, it could also be that they found it first because they have this really incredible um, network of labs that share information that do genomic sur surveillance of SARS-CoV-2. 
And to find the, <clears throat> the COVID variant, you have to sequence the whole genome of virus positive samples. And then they compare the, the sequences. And if a new sample matches a known sample, they're like, oh, we've seen this before. It's part of an existing variant. Um, if, it, if it differs quite a bit, uh, then they think that they may have a variant. And in South Africa, the science and tech that are in flight are kind of mind boggling. They started around April of 2020. They've got a central repository of public sector laboratory results with their national health laboratory. They have private laboratories that work with the public and national laboratory and share samples and information. They've got a health data center in West Cape province that also contributes data. And then they have this really cool state-of-the-art modeling that they do with the South African COVID-19 Modeling Consortium or SACMC. And all of these scientists and all of this data uh, working together they gives them a lot of insight. And it was through the work that was going on in South Africa. And of course, that they did have a sample that they found uh, in mid-November that they, they had a new variant. So that's it. So a lot goes into actually trying to figure out these variants and, and a lot of, of hard work and data science. And I, I heard on the news that they have in the US that scientists have been also working round the clock to to sequence new samples so that we can find people as quickly as possible and then do some track and trace on um, the, the variant. So a lot of, of cool tech out there trying to keep us safe. Um, some other things about the variant that, and the tech is that if you haven't heard the mRNA, the messenger RNA vaccines, which are Moderna and Pfizer, they work by training our bodies to detect the spike protein. And unfortunately with Omicron, one of the things they found when they sequenced it is that um, it has 30 mutations in the spike protein alone, which may mean that it's gonna be more escapable. In other words, our vaccines may not work as well. So that's sort of the, the downside. It also appears to, to transmit uh, more easily than even the Delta variant. But here's kind of the upside is really, really, really early because it's going to take obviously weeks of, of smart scientists doing a lot of research and, and studying this variant. But the really very, very early um, signs are that it may be not as, as severe so that the health impacts are, are hopefully as viruses get mutate and go forward, they tend to get less, less lethal, less severe over time. Hopefully this is gonna be one of those that, that's less severe, but um, thank goodness for all the amazing health technology we have to be able to study what we, what we know and hopefully get ahead of this variant. Yep. Yeah, I was actually talking to one of this virus the other day and it says really tired. Yeah, <laughs> keep mutating like this and I had to make a decision like, am I gonna spread faster and be a little less virulent and aggressive and said well, we have, yeah, we have a screw defender it. I'll shortage. Go, I'll go for that. Yeah. We there's a, a gap shortage in the body, yeah. There's a there's a gap of uh, cyber professionals, uh, IL professionals in the body. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we training going on. Yeah, we we laugh about it, but of course we're all following and I think all you said is it's it's very very relevant and I'm going to add a few things because of course mm. you know, for someone that is a planning to finally get back on the flight to go to visit my family in Italy. This was a news that I didn't really want to hear, 
when he came out. None of us but, are doctors, by the way. So this is all no, no, oh, yeah, <laughs> or virologists, or at least or... not doctor in 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 this. True. You are uh, no. This is personal opinion, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, following all of this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I I kind of not sure about the reaction that we are having and pointed the finger to South Africa because, as you said, that's where they found it. In the World Health Organization, they just said that, like doing all this blocking the travel from South Africa, it may be counterproductive because it may stop other labs and research to, to advertise maybe a result like this because it like we just found out. It doesn't even mean that it actually the, – the, the, right. The epicenter is there. And, and what I was reading this morning is that, you know, now we have a couple of cases here in the U.S. and there's probably been here way, maybe even before there was in South Africa, in the Netherlands as well. So we just don't know enough. We're, we're hoping uh, that that is not a, as bad as it seems. And of course, thankfully, we have the vaccines that even if they're not going to be as effective, they certainly should give some kind of protection so we're we're way ahead of the game compared with you know two years ago when it started yeah and i think uh, for me i'd like to focus in on the, the the fact i mean this is through the tech fine where we talk about tech that has an impact on uh, our lives right and and mm. just the fact that we can identify anything yeah. and and then also identify differences and variants and and ultimately, at some point, understand how those compared to other other variants and other things we have to deal with. I mean, just and you you said a connected network of of labs. I mean that mm-hmm. that, that can't <laughs> be easy, right? So data from yeah. multiple labs. Um, I'm picturing big data and machine learning and artificial intelligence and a bunch of stuff going on. Doing all of this analysis, of course, with some really super smart people. <laughs> <laughs> also connected uh it's pretty it's pretty incredible yeah and technology is not cheap so the, the right. fact that there are certain countries that may not be doing as much sequencing as they were doing in south africa is the fact that they don't have the resources to do so so w- one of the thing was is not only a disparity in in, in the vaccine distribution that of course we are witnessing mm-hmm. But also in these technologies, they're like, well, why, why not everybody's sequencing? And, and a part that, that it takes a long time because you're sequencing the entire genome of, of the virus, it's, uh, it's expensive. It's, uh, it's, not a, it's not a cheap thing to do. So, again, uh, technology is not the same everywhere. And the future may not be everywhere and equally distributed. It, it's true, and 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 you see, you're, you've made the point about there was concern that maybe uh, some researchers might not want to be open about what they're finding if it means that suddenly the doors to their country, you know, their their citizens, the doors to other countries get closed for them, and and that is, it's a really interesting point because I can understand the the policy thinking of, well. It seems to have originated here. This is where we first know about it. So we know it's there, shut the doors so that it doesn't get in here. I, I understand that. But then 
there's also, we don't know if it really started in South Africa. We know that that's where they discovered it first because they do have all this great advanced technology. Who knows where it actually um, originated. And yeah, if we, if we stop having people share openly when they find information like this, then that puts all, the whole world at risk. So yeah, what, I, what good is the technology if, if you don't actually use the information that comes out of it? Yeah, in, share in it for the way, good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know what is funny is it's a political decision, and, and so they would we just want to show to the citizen that something has been done. But if there is something we have learned from the past is that this virus is not knocking on a door; it doesn't care about a border. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like it's it's already around here. So. What mm -hmm. we can do is to prepare ourselves, go back and wearing the mask, which I never stop wearing, so I'm already there, <laughs> and, 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 and realize that even if you are vaccinated, you're still carrying the virus and, uh, and, and you know, uh, and the vaccine help, but it's not by closing the walls and the borders that we're going to stop this, unless you live in an island, and in that case, maybe you got a little bit more chance, but... Um, <laughs> We gotta trust technology, so maybe we need to wait and see what what this does. But I'm not blaming the countries to say if we can even slow it down a little bit, um, that's gonna help. So, and you know what, technology is, is that double double blade, right? Sean, you you mentioned that. Sometimes, don't you want to maybe maybe Both sides be better if we here. didn't know about it? <laughs> you know, what what if it's not a problem? Yeah. What if it's not a problem? What if we never catch it? It's been going around for a while. And then, but yeah, now we know everything, you know, it's, uh, we'll know even more and it comes with good and bad. That's a really interesting point because I live in New Hampshire and I don't know if you guys know, because we're a small state, but we're in a massive surge right now. We're at the worst with hospitalizations that has ever been during the entire pandemic in New Hampshire. This is our worst time right now. And some of the local hospitals are overflowed. The emergency rooms, from what I've, I've heard, um, the emergency rooms have to turn people away and, and are saying, you know, go to urgent care because we can't accommodate you. Because So it's, it's pretty bad. But I only know this from reading the news and I live here because what's around me and in my neighborhood and when I, we go to the grocery store, you don't, we, I wouldn't know there was a surge on unless I read about it. So it is very mm. strange, this reality of there's so much in life that we just don't know. It's like, what was that? Was it, was it Plato, Aristotle? You know, the, the shadows on the cave wall. It's like, even oh, in yeah. <laughs> even, yeah, of course you would know that. Part. But was it Plato? <laughs> okay. Um, or Plato? Is it Plato? No, Plato, I think. <laughs> Plato? No. I wouldn't know in Italian. <laughs> but, Plato will be, I would say in Italian, but I, I think liked, it's Plato. I liked Plato when I was a kid. Plato. <laughs> but, but what we, you know, what we know and what we experience, our, our, our capacity for knowledge now is just so incredible. To think that we can identify not just the virus and the sequence of the, the genome sequence of the virus, but to be able to quickly determine, fairly quickly, determine when there are, are any changes in it, even minor changes, is just mind-blowing. But then we live our everyday day-to-day -day, and it's like, yeah, there are germs and viruses all around us and we're like, we don't see them, so we don't think about them. It's just this very strange, I guess, cognitive dissonance of, of what we know. 
uh, at dissonance, but and what and what we experience. Does that make sense? Yep. And yeah, tech gives us so much more than we can experience. And that may be why some people would rather I, I don't know rather live in denial of science because life maybe it's perceived yeah. a lot easier again going back to the metaphor of the shadow uh, in the cave yeah. yep well, it's a whole so, different path we could take in terms of how much information can the human brain <laughs> absorb and take in and do process yeah. yeah 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 and that's why you're a mini me mini me the the, the m m mini me <laughs> <laughs> so what is it we had a comment here sebastian says sometimes we're simply better off not to know <laughs> yeah i know yeah. yeah is that what you bottle every day it's, i think it's the feeling that i have sebastian it, that feeling that i have when i decide to finally close the computer and and don't look at the phone anymore maybe open a book <laughs> And just say, you know what? Yeah. I'm just gonna go to bed without thinking about this. <laughs> you kind of need that break. You need a switch for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, Sean, so bring bring, I, I, bring the little, mini me. I'm a little light, more lighthearted with my news, and uh, it's not really news, but it's tech that. Again, I don't know that. There's probably new tech somewhere, but the stuff I come across probably isn't new necessarily all the time. It's how it's being used and commercialized. I, I got a notice that in one of the uh, one of the holiday markets here, they're printing 3D versions of people and their pets. Ooh. So you, you you pick a scene and and you, it looks like you dress up for it or undress <laughs> to a certain point for it. The, the one of the pictures is people in a, in a raft ring, right. That you'd take into a, into a pool and that's their, that's their shot. Um, but this idea and what's interesting to me is that this is mobile enough. The technology is mobile enough that they can go and take it in to a market area and do 3d scan, full body scans of people and then create miniature and and animals pets i guess or so, sorry then the final product is like a like a little plastic like a soldier? little miniature it's like soldier yes exactly oh okay and they, mm. they look pretty dang real <laughs> like <laughs> like the detail of like the fingers aren't just the hands aren't just nubs there <laughs> you can actually how how many how like many are we talking here sean uh they let me let me see they had some sizes i actually went to the to the website of the company as well they do one that's as small as four inches okay and uh 14 inches is one of the bigger ones and uh yeah i mean the the detail with patches and ties and and hats and i mean it's pretty pretty spectacular Scary. and then that's the next part <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it's pretty cool to to preserve and they show scenes where i don't know if you if people still do this or not but you, one marks the 
the on the on the door jam how how tall somebody is at their certain age. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody remembers doing that. If they still do that, but they're showing pictures of all right, third year birthday, fourth year birthday. So they mm-hmm. you could get a mini me version of each each birthday to kind of capture your your growth over time. So the 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 thing that that makes me pause though is that they're collecting this information and obviously I'm always going to take it to where, where does this information go and what else can it be used for? And, um, but I mean, there's two parts. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool what what I've seen in terms of what can be done. Uh, but then there's always the, well, who, who's, who has this data and what else can it be used for? Yeah, so they need because they need to to do a three D model of you every time to to create the three D reproduction. Right. Yep. How do you do that with dogs? Do they have to stay still? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I presume. Yeah, I don't know if the dog has to stay still. It doesn't really say. Um, and we know maybe, that they've trained. Do do enough. Maybe they do it a few times and there's enough to. Uh, so uh, how detailed are we talking about here? Because the, yeah. the issue is, you know, okay, the dog is like, oh, look, it looks like a German shepherd. Okay, cool. They all look, most of them, they look the same in a certain way, right? But when you come to scanning people's face, the implication, that's when it gets fun, right? I mean, so how detailed is this I mean, scan? You, you can tell these now, again, because ultimately it's digital, maybe it can be changed <laughs> digitally to look mm-hmm. like someone else, which is another thing that I thought of. But, I mean, th- these look real. Mm. These look real. Like you can see the fuzz on the Santa hat. In, so, in so, so here's where I bring it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a year ago or two years ago, two years ago maybe, um, a company that would not be named, but everybody can think who is that, uh, they they ship stuff, so you know, oh. and uh, they ship clothes, and they come up with the idea that if you were going to scan your body, then when you buy clothing online, you're sure that you're getting the right size because it's made to scan right. your body. Right. And people were like, "Wait a minute, what are the consequences of this?" So I'm sure some people have done it. Maybe it wasn't scanning the face, so maybe that was totally cool. But now we're at the point, it's kind of like those games that you do online where like, hey, see yourself how you're going to look uh, 50 years from now. Or uh, here, send us a picture and we're going to reproduce your, your facial exterior into, you know, like a makeup artist, the effects artist will do on a movie. And, and people, again, is like, well, you're giving them the permits to to get your picture and know who you are and so forth. So now you can actually do it at the market. <laughs> can, <laughs> can we stop these? Are we worrying too much? Should we just... Yeah, I don't know. Are we too cybersecurity oriented? Maybe yeah. Me I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean... It is. I don't know if there if people have because the a lot of the fear about facial recognition. I mean, this is also 
it's it's our faces are public information. Like the big concern is how it's going to be used. Will it be used to profile people? Is it going to be used to if you if you got an arrest warrant for somebody based on a a drawing of them? Do you go after you put that into a facial recognition and now you're arresting somebody that actually wasn't a perpetrator just from sort of this weird mismatch? Like that's where I can see a lot of 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 misuse. I know people are concerned about deep fakes, but that's if you've done videos and put them up on the internet, if you're on, you, you've kind of given a lot of information to people to be able to use with it, the deep fakes already. So I am trying to think of if there's a 14 inch critter of me or me and my dogs, is there a cybersecurity downside? Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> it's I'm trying to I'm sure some attacker will think of something. But. All right, Diana, take take the comment it. from Sebastian right now. That's yeah. that's in that's the key. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so do you give yeah. the permits to use your face on a robot? Because if you give the permits, then there is no legal is going to hold you off from your face being anywhere else. Yeah. Right. Right. And I mean, a lot of, I mean, look, if you post your picture on online, a lot of that is just, you've kind of given, you've given permission for it to go out into the, the public space. But how do you use it? And of course, nobody reads the fine print. So we don't know if we sign away our soul to Mephistopheles. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe so for what I know. But do I, I, have, I have 3D proof that Marco is in that compromising position. <laughs> oh well, see that's. But you can also have two D proof that Marco was in that. <laughs> you can have a one D proof if you were there. <laughs> yes. Where you draw the line, though? I mean, honestly, yeah. if you're alive and you travel and you've gone to an airport, and I mean, in uh, when you're going in Europe in a lot of places, that you you open the gate with the. With your face recognition, you get, you're not even in control of that. So yeah, I, of course it's everywhere. I was wondering about that if it would if it would fool facial recognition because a lot of the facial recognition yep. technology <clears throat> can differentiate between two D and three D, so that they they know if you're putting a, a picture of that person in front of the 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 system to analyze versus a three D. But yeah, what if it is? If it's 3D, would that be enough? It kind of reminds me, do you remember back when we were all worried about, uh, I mean, not that we were all worried and we're not worried anymore, but but early on in the biometric adoption phase, a lot of hackers were doing things like the gummy fingers. Remember you get like yep. some gelatin and you create a fingerprint, uh, you know, finger off of that. And then they had even rigged it up so that you could create artificial pulses and warmth so that it would fool even a reader that was looking for a human finger it's would it would be red as human well and some then, some system have been fooled by facial recognition of, of a mask that is so well reproduced that it is a 3d mm. reproduction uh, reproduction of yourself that's why my first question was how detailed is this thing yeah yeah and will it's, it fool it's detailed enough to look pretty dang real in a 4 to 14 inch wow scaled model um yeah and you blowing up Life size, who knows, right? Hmm. They, now, they may have the data. Maybe it's maybe the limitation is the the printing part to get it printed as big as they want. But do you know I what mean, is the scariest part? Uh, what's that? 
One time when I was a teenager, I'm going to go back many, many, many years. Um, a girlfriend at the time, her present for my birthday was a poster-sized picture of her. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so now think of the consequences of getting an actual <laughs> entire statue. <laughs> like, I'm thinking, like, you received the gift of, I don't know, Sean, I love you and you guys, but I don't want to have your little miniature <laughs> mini-me on my desk. I don't need that. <laughs> How about a full-sized 3D shot? <laughs> oh, my uh, God. No. I wonder if people that lose their pets, if there's going to be anything. Because like at one point, all right, I know this sounds a little crazy, but at one point I was like, actually, it's the dog that's here, Kenny. He unfortunately died when he was 10 of hemangiosarcoma. But I loved this dog so much that at one point I was like, when he dies, could I taxidermy him and then like animatronic him? So I was going to record his barking <laughs> so that I would never have to be without him. I'm wondering if the 3D, if it looks that realistic, if it would give any comfort to, to pet owners that lost their pets or if it's just, I mean, that, you know, that's, plastic that's not even not a creepy dog. a little bit. Yes. It's not even creepy. It, it's a little <laughs> no, creepy, isn't it? no, it's not. I was going to scare people in my living room. Yeah. I, I would love a 3D, 3D little miniature of uh, my pet that's gone for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> Your next pet. <laughs> so I'm eating a cookie. Um, yeah. The, the consequences. I mean, the, the, you know, there is the cloning part. I, I think was, um, was it Barbara Streisand or the, the clone, or just cloning like her two poodles? Or? <clears throat> the problem with the cloning is that you can't, like gene expression can't be controlled. So it's quite possible that the clone of the pet doesn't look like the pet. So some of these people that want the exact same looking pet, the apparently in the cloning uh, companies, what they do is they discard of the ones that aren't gene expressing to look exactly like the the beloved missing pet. And that was enough for me to be like, oh, I mean, and also it just, it begs the question, where's our soul or our personality? Even if I could have well, replicated yeah. Kenny's DNA and his look, it yep. still wouldn't have been Kenny. Exactly. And I know, Sean, I know what you mean. I mean, we, we lost the dogs not too long ago. And when I, you know, Siri show me the pictures, I always smile. I know I, it's a good memory that I have. But, you know, I don't know if if the cloning and the immortality of it is the solution of it. So that's that's a big philosophical conversation. Yeah, about yeah to me, this seems like a nice middle ground. You, yeah. you, you get you get the look. Clearly, it's missing the uh, the motion. <laughs> <laughs> you get to look. Uh, it's triggering the good memory. Yeah, exactly. it's triggering the good memory. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, we maybe that same holds true. Uh, if you wanted for, for the mini me, have, uh, yeah, mini me version. <laughs> I'll leave behind. Yeah, well, it's just incredible how quick 3D went from sci-fi to here. You go in the Christmas market and. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you want? Like a little ornament for your Christmas tree, or, or should we scan you and uh, and create a robot that you can you can bring home <laughs> with, with your face on it? Yeah, with your face on it. Yeah, that's exactly. We're connecting everything here. Yeah. All right, 
I'm going to get on my thing that has nothing to do with any of these, but I, I thought it was an is interesting. It is it what? Would it be food? It's not food. It's a spaceship in the right. desert. <laughs> and this is the title of a, a, a book, and it's, it's about smart cities and how apparently a lot of projects that wanted to create smart cities from nothing because, you know, it's hard to convert a, a city like London or Florence or New York into a smart one. So many people, especially in China and in, in um, Saudi Arabia and in other places are like, you know, in Japan too, let's just make a one from scratch, which is completely intelligent, uh, completely smart. And then we just need to convince people to come and live here because, hey, it's so cool. Well, it turned out it's not that cool because people are actually not willing to move into the city. So a lot of this project, they have been either left to die or we don't know if, if it's actually gonna, gonna work. Uh, there is one, for example, which is made by Toyota Motor Company called Woven City. And it's in, uh, right at the sh in the shadow of Mount Fuji. So it's actually not a bad place. <laughs> to be mm -hmm. honestly and it's all connected it's, it's all like sensors and and all of that and maybe this is going to be successful but the problem with this is do you want to create you want to change the city that we have and turn it into smart but maybe never been smart enough because you're not doing them from scratch or we can do something about this smart city spaceship in the desert where you know kind of like the las vegas in a way if you think about it where you have everything there but you got nothing around there is no history no culture and you kind of have it, it's kind of dry so the, the the old piece that talk about this it's that decision between how do we need culture and it's not just about being smart and the other mm. one is we want the smart part because it's good for the environment and and energy conservation and the new greed and everything and what is the middle ground so i like to know what you guys think about it like would you even want to move in a city that has everything but it's kind of unreal it's so it's like it's contained because you're out in the middle of nowhere. So you, you're not going anywhere other than you know, if you want to go to the theater, it's whatever the spaceship theater is showing. Right? Is that That's one yeah. of the angle. The other angle is that it may be a little dry from a architectonic urbanistic perspective, which is what is happening. Like an example is a city in um, in uh, uh, in Korea, where they call it the ghost town, because and yeah. I think there are many of those in China as well. But in Korea, it's like yeah. you you can go there, but people don't want to move there. Um, yeah, Wait, weren't, weren't some of the ones in China? They were like trying to replicate like other points in time and architecture, like sort of like a little like um, celebration down in Florida was trying to be like old turn of the last century main street was sort of the theme that's some of the chinese that, that's called disneyland like yeah, well celebration <laughs> but yeah um, <clears throat> celebration florida but um yeah I, I think they were trying to right they were trying to sort of emulate a certain architecture of point in time to create not just a 
not just a community, but also a, a look and feel to the community too. Mm -hmm. But how artificial now, is going to be perceived by the people that actually do live there? I mean, that's yeah. a good example. Main yeah. Street, you know, Disneyland or, or Disney World. And it's so cool when you're there, but okay, for 10 minutes, maybe an hour, would you live there? Or the city should be... It's a hum it's it's a living, breeding, growing creature that develops right. with time, with the society, with the culture, and and you probably better off patching it. So that that's the big question. And and what you're looking at, there's nothing like sustainability. It's not like a a, a biome, right? It's not this completely contained, sustainable entity. It just happens to be that you create a new city kind of from scratch out in an area where there's enough land to accomplish that. Yeah. You're talking about yeah, a city okay. that is just created with the right grid, with all the, the monitoring, even to the point there are some that they're monitoring the occupant of the home's health. And that may be an alert for me to know. know. There. It's like, <laughs> huh. okay, very dystopian. Sorry, not. So maybe that's the bad extreme, but the other one is, yeah, I mean, everything is monitored and connected, saving energy, uh, recharging for electric cars. There's only either electric car or uh, liquid hydrogen car. So everything gets perfect, except it doesn't feel real. Yeah, I feel like... I wouldn't, I mean, the idea of living in a community that had really similar goals of, yeah, we want to be eco-friendly and we want to uh, foster sustainability, that that doesn't sound awful. The parts that sound awful to me are, one, if it's in the desert, because I, one of my favorite things is to go hiking. So if I no, the, the, the desert, the, the desert is a metaphor. I mean, you, of course, okay. you think, okay. you think, yeah. Las Vegas, and I'm sure that's the case. Like, for example, one yeah. project that it's called, um, it's called uh, Neom, which is a $500 billion investment uh, that is made in Saudi Arabia, which is an entire mm -hmm. futuristic city where it wants to be diverse, integrated. So, I mean, the, all the great intention, we'll see mm -hmm. if that works. Um, so the desert is just the idea that it, it's disconnected from everything. It doesn't okay. necessarily need to be in the desert. Um, yeah. It just See, for me, I'm I'm looking at it from a platform perspective. Mm. So, so not starting with something and trying to retrofit it to meet the needs of today and and be able to grow for tomorrow, but perhaps starting fresh with. Mm -hmm. A completely new mm -hmm. way of creating and harnessing and using energy and communications and travel and mm. all this stuff. And I think there's a lot of value to that, perhaps. Where I always get concerned is it, okay, if, well, who's going to invest in that, right? And I don't know if it looks different doing that now than it uh, did 200 years ago and <laughs> in, in, in certain areas where things started fresh with, with new investments. I don't know if, does the ownership change, the rights, do the rights change? And the thing that always comes to mind when we talk about smart things 
and new technologies that that try to replicate uh, what it thinks we want as humans is that we end up with some common denominator. I don't want to say lower, low common denominator, but some common denominator that that works for most, doesn't work for everybody, doesn't allow for that uniqueness or uh, a feeling, a culture that changes depending on who you are and how you interact with the environment. Rather, it's just some, I'll say bland, some bland <laughs> thing <laughs> that, that's defined by the technology that's running on that platform. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wonder too if maybe rather than starting from from scratch, you know, like in in Egypt, there's like Cairo, and then they went down a few miles, and they're building they built new Cairo. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I wonder, do we have to abandon what we have? Because like Napoleon the Third had Haussmann basically reinvent Paris. Mm -hmm. right? It was like, you know, there was, it was dirty, it was overcrowded and he said, make, and that's the Paris that we know today that we all love was pr pretty modern. I think it was like the twenties when they finally finished all of Haussmann's changes throughout the city. Um, but it's beautiful with that, you know, the way that the, the roads all go out from the, you know, Champs-Élysées and everything. I mean, it's, it's really well designed and it improved the city a lot. Um, so I'm wondering maybe, rather than creating spaceships in the desert, should we be thinking about being really radical and changing our existing cities to make them much more? Because there'd be have to be a lot of change. I don't think we could do it. In little well, that, that's the alternative that in this article is being presented, which is cities like Singapore, London, Barcelona, for example, they're really investing heavily in bringing the smart element yeah. to, to the city where they are. And I think that the, the truth is, is kind of right in the middle. I, mm. There is this professor of anthropology, Shannon Modern. She wrote a book that is called A City is Not a Computer. So <laughs> I think it goes with what Sean says about the platform. So if you if you're going to make the perfect city based on calculation and algorithm and everything, it's, it's kind of like artificial intelligence may turn out to be dry. So maybe the, the base of it mm. can be taken and said, okay, now let's apply this to the existing city. Or now that we have a base, how do we make a human? So there is that, mm -hmm. right, that, 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 that difference. I vote for... Mm adapting the existing city, but also understand how hard it can be. So maybe yeah. a, a new Cairo, I don't know, can you adapt? I don't know, I'm looking at a picture of Florence right now. Well, the I, question I have is- And I'd like, mm, I don't know. Well, the question hard. I have is, are we, are we doing this to offer new things, to save money, manage resources? Oh yeah. Or, or is wow. there, or is there a, we want a better culture? Because I feel that to me, that's kind of missing in all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The point. why. Yeah. 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 Well, technically, well, I think the why is there. It, it just may not. I don't know if the drivers are what we all would expect or want necessarily. Well, mm -hmm. you know, think about what we said a few times about smart driving cars. How. If you have a city that is designed with roads 
for smart driving cars, where there are more sensors, there's just a flat, uh, you know, like smoother corner, I don't know, more space in between, and you got edge computing going around and the traffic lights, then probably you could have full autonomous smart car. So what do you do? How hard it is to restructure a city like mm-hmm. you, know, you mentioned Paris and many other cities went through like an urbanistic redesign in the 1800 and versus yeah. say, you know, I scratch all of this, right? <laughs> Tabula rasa and let's start from scratch. Uh, and but the goal, be... yeah, it depends. Sorry. No, go for yeah. it. Yeah. No, I was, I was just thinking about, um, you know, we talk about the self-driving cars, but what would be really nice in a city redesign would be more community transportation mm-hmm. too. But yeah. yeah. Uh, I also think another way to look at it perhaps is does this, I'll use the word platform again, enable creativity and innovation within that community where it could actually create a culture that was never possible mm. before. Yep. So an environment that that uses the resources of, of power and communications and and data and robotics and whatever else, right? To to create things that uh, aren't possible in in the world we know right now. Yeah. Well, if you if you look back at the, even the idea of utopia, it's always been about changing the the our place of living to be more inclusive and allow mm-hmm. space for art, more community. I don't know. Maybe there is a reason why it's called utopia. <laughs> it's because I, you can't have it. I don't know. It's, I think the biggest problem with utopia is that there are probably as many city utopias as there are people in the world. Mm. We're, everybody has a different idea of what yeah. the perfect city should be. And yeah. You, you just said something yeah. interesting, Marco. Utopia. You can't have it. And that makes me wonder dystopia. Does that mean we can't have that either? Oh. Because <laughs> I always feel yeah. Yeah, we can oh, end God. up in dystopia, but we'll never reach a utopia. Is, Maybe yeah. dystopia is different for everybody. Uh, there was a philosopher, and I need to remember if it was Kierkegaard or whatever. I'm gonna have to look for it. But it, it's it it said, ideals are made to never be reached because as you get closer to mm-hmm. an ideal, your ideal change. But that doesn't mean that you're not aiming for it, right? So we we need to have yeah. ideals, and we need to know that. They're meant to never be realized, but it's what drive us. So if you're driven by utopia, you may, as they say, you may aim for the star and land on the moon or, you know, now I'm using other metaphor, but you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it, it's those extreme that just because you know you can't reach it doesn't mean you shouldn't be driven by that. So better to be driven by a utopia than, than a dystopia. And a dystopia, I think, is so much easier to reach because you just fuck up everything. <laughs> it's just like, just hey, human. yeah, exactly. Hey, look, uh, can I build a, this beautiful uh, city made of Legos or can I just take a hammer and <laughs> just crash it? That's easier. And then you ruin everything. 
sort of like the inverse of Tolstoy, right? Was that like every happy family is the same, but unhappy families are also in this way. It's like every dystopia is the same and it's terrible. Well, you know, that's that's what we write in books and that's what we're always fighting against. It's like, you know, how easy is that something goes wrong? Like think about artificial intelligence. It's like we always write about the the dystopia of it. Yeah. But we know that there is a lot of good things coming for it, but so much easier to imagine one thing goes wrong and you're just screwed. It, yeah, yeah and, and, and like with Sean's point, it's, it's true. If, if only a few things are going bad, we walk around and we're like, ah, oh, it's terrible and you know, dystopia. <laughs> Sounds right? like but, cybersecurity, right? <laughs> right? But utopia, I mean, that everything has to be perfect. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it. And if there is that one little thing, nope, that didn't yeah. work. Princess of the pea. Uh -uh. <laughs> wow. I'm trying to visualize that in my head. Is it, uh, my first visual was uh, a slider top to bottom where utopia is at the top, almost impossible to reach with gravity pulling us down to dystopia all the time. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, well, can we just switch that on the side? And there's no gravity to pull us, so it's easier to move from one to the other, perhaps. But then I was thinking a target where utopia is in the middle and we're trying to work our way into the middle. I don't know. It's I our like nature. Yeah. It's our nature, I think. It's I was like, going to say that. Yeah, we always pinpoint. We're never happy. We want more, more, and more. It's almost like, you know, can you be happy with what you have? Can no. you accept the fact that there is so much good in the technology that we have? But again... We always talk about the negative of it. Well, it's like we feed on it. There's a good book by Atul Gawanda, um, the doctor. It's called um, Being Mortal, and it's all about dying. And if you've got like anybody in your life that's dying and elderly parents or things, it's a really amazing read. But he makes this really good point about that when people are younger, we all strive, like, or almost all of us, we like, we strive, we're nervous, we, we, and acquiring things matters. And then as, as people get older, and there's like a certain age when it just happens to almost everybody, you stop wanting to acquire things and you want to have more experience. And it's almost like, is our genetics driving us? Is it, is it society or is it, is it our genetics? And if we're always striving, then we are hardwired to think it's not good enough. We have to do more. <laughs> we have to work harder. We have to fix something. Well, maybe that's what drives us to, to be where we, where we are. Yeah. And with that thought, I'm going to have to <laughs> jump on another call. I'm going to drive away. I'm going to drive away. Do more. <laughs> well, Sean, I say play the music. Yep. I really love this conversation and yep, great uh, conversation. Again. Glad some folks jumped in on it with us. Uh, yeah, social media today. Sebastian's our friend. Yeah, yeah. I love <laughs> that. I love that. Yeah, really cool. And uh, same time next week, same we will channel. be back through the tech line, yeah. bringing tech news, good or bad, hopefully good, <laughs> and turning them around. Exactly. That's what. Till we next do. time. See ya. Bye-bye. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net.
hope you enjoyed this episode of Through the Tech Vine podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Thank you.